this never wavering, never deviating from the strategy, it's tiring, it's exhausting. It's also, unfortunately for all of us, the cost of entry to be successful. The reason there's gonna be a billion motivational views today on YouTube is that people love the feeling of being motivated. They don't like putting in the work to do something about the feeling. Be optimistic instead of pessimistic. If you can't do that, you just absolutely have no chance of winning because it's all how one synthesizes what's in front of them. I don't think I'm that talented. I do think I've outworked people. I think that's real. I also think it's controllable. And I think anybody who's watching right now, they may not be the most talented entrepreneur or salesman or uh, you know an amazing uh, craft of content, but if they outwork somebody, that is a variable that feels in control. What's going on guys, your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA Podcast. I'm your host Josh Prep Igina and I'm here with my good buddy Andre Flow State Dre Rodriguez. Andre, what's going on? What's going on Prep? So we had a hell of a week in MMA. Um, what was your highlight of the week so that I can figure out what we want to start with right on air. Dang. Uh, well, for this week, I just want to say the huge notoriety that Masvidal got from that beautiful knee knockout that he gave Ben Askren. Um, he's now pretty much going into superstar mode, and um, everybody's talking about him. But I also want to highlight the maturity that Ben Askren handled this with. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so perfect. Let's start with 239. Our main event, we spoke about it last week, our favorite fight on the card. Jorge Gamebred Masvidal versus Ben, Funky Ben Askren. Wow, I did, I mean, I knew the fight was going to be a lot of fun, whether it went to the ground, whether it was a knockout. It was a shoe-in to be maybe one of my favorite fights of the night and boy did it deliver five seconds of fury he drops him with a knee beautiful one shot and uh jorge masvidal as you said ascends to stardom did you listen to chael at all this week talk about that yeah yeah i did a bit because um he, he gave great insight on kind of the idea of what Ben Askren kind of was going through. And um, it was also kind of good for him to talk about it because he had recently just gone through that. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where wrestlers really have to, like, step their game up in the MMA scene. You know, it's, it's just not good to do stuff like that. Little tendencies here and there. That could have been worse. Because yeah, for sure. Imagine the damage done if that would have been directly on the top of the skull and would have damaged his neck, you know. That wouldn't have been George Masvidal's fault. That would have been his. Yeah. So, yeah. So the one thing I do want to bring up that Chael spoke about was the fact that Jorge Masvidal all week set up that spot. If you look at the fight week, which was fantastic, one of – my favorite fight weeks, you know, the lead-ups to the fights of the year. It was just, you know, UFC going all out. Of course, it's their international fight week. It's the only card that they're running. 
and the UFC just had a fantastic media team beh- behind them this week watching everything. And even Ben Askren, he had his team on, you know, we heard Jorge speak about how he saw Ben Askren earlier in the week and him just like shaking in his boots. And Ben Askren had the footage of Ben going to the bathroom and George with his hands behind his back, you know, talking smack as he does. So Chael spoke about how how he had set up that thing all week with the hands behind the back. I come in peace, hands behind the back. And I just thought it was perfect. It worked out. Week three, Bugs, three, Josh and Andre, zero. This is this might be the worst week yet. You'll, you'll hear that all day. It's bug spray. Yes, the mosquitoes are killing me. But, um, yeah, I just thought that, as you said, Jorge Masvidal just ascended to a new level. And Ben Askren handling it like only Ben Askren can. You know, you had to believe that he'd be the one guy to take a loss great. And he did. The interview with Ariel spoke a lot. You know, he just... He didn't have a lot to say because how much can you say? It it was a five second fight, basically. Yeah. But the aftermath, I thought he just handled with class. Yeah, because at a certain point, that's all you can do, you know, because there's nothing he can say as far as, oh, if this would have happened, then you know I wouldn't have got knocked out or anything like that. Like, you had five seconds, and when you saw him running at you, your instincts kicked in. And the sad thing is that anybody could have done that to him. Anyone. Mm-hmm. So um, I do give him respect because, you know, he could have been pissed. He could have complained and say, oh, Masvidal, you still suck, whatever. But um, he didn't. You know, he gave him his props, and uh, it's great. And I just hope that he will be able to bounce back from this because I, I believe he will and get a couple, you know, serious wins over real contenders in the welterweight division. Yeah, so let's keep going. Let's talk about the bottom of the card. We had Song Yadong with a fantastic knockout. This is, you know, the great thing about, we spoke about it last week, UFC 239. They had an undercard full of, like, really young, really talented fighters. And Song Yadong really showed it. He ended up getting a performance bonus that night for that knockout. Him coming from Team Alpha Male and being trained by Uriah Faber, which we will talk about later on. What do you see with this kid? Because he is a fantastic, as we spoke about last week, prospect. <laughs> For his weight class, um, he's bringing like, a lot of power. And um, it, it's kind of scary for the other guys in the division because on top of that power, he's very technically sound. And he's very young, very athletic, very strong, and he's confident. Fighting guys like that, it sucks because you have to have the perfect game plan. You gotta outwork them, you gotta outgrapple them or outstrike them. You have to be smart. You can't take risks. Um, so honestly, like this kid is going to pretty much tear through the entire division. I give him two years, and he'll be in title contention. Um, and he's only gonna get better to be honest with you. Um, You can clearly see that uh, he kind of has like that Cody Garbrandt like mentality when he's in there, which is 
I'm going to hit you with something hard, and I'm not going to stop until you're down. And he and he carries that with him. He literally lands beautiful combinations inside, outside, and everything he throws is with complete ferocity. So, you know, expect to see this kid in some big fights like this year because he is getting a lot of popularity and a lot of, uh, notor- you know, notoriety, especially on Instagram. People are watching his freaking uh, Instagram page for training uh, montages and videos. And um, the way he's just cracking these pads is crazy. Yeah, and the best thing about him getting that finish is he has a chance to get on that huge card that they're running in China. Yeah. So we got to believe that that's the next time we'll see him. Absolutely. Let's talk about Edmund Shabazian, someone who is um, out of the Glendale Fight Club. He fights for Edmund Tarverdian and that team. He's managed, quote-unquote, by Ronda Rousey. Um, I thought he looked great, too. This is the second time I believe I've seen him fight live, and he's just he's got size, he's got power, and his ground game is really, really good. So he's a good all-around fighter. Someone else I want to touch on, which probably nobody's talking about, and that's fine because it was in defeat, was Marlon Vera's, or um, yeah, Marlon Vera's opponent, Noeline Hernandez. He was take. He really took that opportunity, you know, six days notice to come in and fight Cheeto Vera, and I thought he looked fantastic as well. You know, he had Cheeto or on the ground, and he was throwing some really good shots from up top. I thought he was extremely promising and someone that, you know, now with this fight, you got to believe that they'll give him an undercard fight later on this year as well, and he he will perform. Let's talk about Luke Rockhold versus Jan Blahowitz. Um, Me, someone who is not a fan of Luke Rockhold's character and – you know, respects his game, but, you know, I just don't like that pompous, for lack of a better term, asshole routine that he plays. Jan Blahowitz just shutting the show down for him pretty, pretty convincingly and just maybe finishing his career. How did you take Jan Blahowitz's performance against Luke? It was excellent. Um, he weathered the storm early with those kicks, and he nullified Luke Rockhold's grappling game. Um and Jan was prepared for this fight. Luke was not. Um, the problem with Luke is we constantly see in a lot of his fights the lack of versatility in his striking and the lack of versatility in his um, in his entries for takedowns and grappling exchanges. Um, he's kind of like a Carlos Condit mm-hmm. minus the excellent striking where if he goes to the ground, if he gets taken down, that's when he starts to use his jujitsu. But when you're coming out of a camp that is literally known for their wrestling and you can't take a guy down, like, that's bad. He literally pushed him on the cage and just stood there holding John Blontowicz, and he did nothing with those opportunities. Um, it sucks because I, I do hate to see him get knocked down and get his jaw broken because nobody, you know, wants that outcome for any fighter because at the end of the day, these guys are doing what they're passionate about. But I agree 100% with Dana White. And that's very rare because I don't agree with him uh, like maybe 95% of the time that he says things. But I do agree. I do think it's time for Luke to hang it up um, because, you know, like somebody like uh, Ben Askren not correcting mistakes. 
um, not becoming versatile, more creative. These are things that always end up, you know, biting you back on the butt later. And um, you saw that. He got knocked out again pretty much on the same side. He, every time he gets knocked out, it's on the same side, on that jaded stance with the southpaw position. And his, uh, you know, the well, in this case, the right side of his chin is always getting cracked. And um, that's his fault. So I think he's done. And Jean Blockowitz definitely put himself back into title contention with this win. So hopefully if he can be the next one in line for John, that would be great because that will also be a very tough fight for John. And maybe that will give Johnny Walker a chance to get a couple more fights under his belt before he finally gets his title shot as well. Yeah, I thought we spoke a few weeks back about Gegard Mousasi just, you know, looking past his opponent, just thinking about the future, you know, I only do this for money or whatever. And Luke Rockhold, a fighter that definitely looked past Jan Blachowicz. Absolutely, and it's so disrespectful too because Jan Blachowicz almost beat Alexander Gustafsson. And he went on a tear after, you know, starting off a little slow in the UFC, not getting completely dominated in fights, but he was, you know, losing a couple fights here and there, but he got his stuff together, he got his mindset correct, and he started winning in an impressive fashion as well against some of the best in the world. So um, it was it was just silly how Luke Rockhold came into this because he's thinking, oh, I'm way bigger than this guy, and it's like, bro, that means nothing. It doesn't matter if you have big muscles. Yoel Romero lost two title fights against Robert Whitaker, and the dude is literally like the Cuban Superman. So it doesn't matter. And um, he just came with the wrong mindset. And um, if he does end up fighting again, I hope he learns from his mistakes, and I hope he understands that it takes more than just a left kick to hurt somebody, that you have to mix it up with punches and knees and low kicks and high kicks. You have to... Be more versatile, more creative, more fluid. Because literally Jan just blocked all of his kicks and was just like, okay, this is it. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, yeah, Jan, Jan. Jan looked great. And his character as well, like they ask about the trash talk and all he had to say was, it didn't work on me. <laughs> so, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of Jan Blahowitz after this past week. Let's keep it in the light heavyweight division and talk about the main event. You know, we had Tiago Santos versus John Jones. Last week we predicted, you know, John Jones was probably going to finish him. And guess what? Tiago Santos held his own. I want to talk about the second round, okay? Because the second round was the deciding round for most of MMA fans and media. How did you score it? I hope you remember, you know, I, I meant to text you, yo, how'd you score the second round? How did you score the second round? Because I thought it was close. I thought it was very close, but I just thought Tiago's blitzes, you know, landed a few more, and I just thought he looked better in controlling John Jones in that round. And if you give him that round, he won the fight. Yeah, I gave him the round. I thought he did more. I thought he was more active. And even though he was kind of, moving back a little bit, um, it was those exchanges that he had with John that should have won him that round. Um, he did a lot better than um, people gave him credit for. And I think I just think it was really disrespectful how a lot of people said, 
oh, you know, this guy, it didn't matter if he tore his ACL, MCL, meniscus, PCL, he still lost the fight against John. John outstruck him. In no way, shape, or form did John outstrike Thiago Santos um, in any universe that would have watched that fight. He got outstruck. The only difference was that the man was injured, and he could literally not move as, as well as he was in the first round. It was pretty clear who had the speed and strength advantage in that fight, and uh, the guy literally told, tore almost every piece of his knee and still fought five rounds and almost won. Like, come on, man. This this is crazy. Yeah, we talk about a lot of times, like, in MMA, there's really no such thing as almost winning. But honestly, if, if you can say any fight that this guy almost won, this guy really <laughs> almost won, I would have been okay with the majority draw, honestly. But um, it's a shame that he tore his knee because we did not see – what Tiago Santos really could have did to John Jones. And I'm not going to lie. I was watching that for the first the first round I was wincing because the way Tiago throws with veracity, just so much power behind it. I was I kept saying you could even ask Jen. I kept saying, "Watch it, John. Watch because he had balls, you know. He he showed a different side to me where he was Willing to take a few shots, but unfortunately, Tiago couldn't really land, you know, that fatal blow to him. Yeah, and it was obvious that if he would have hit John with something substantial and powerful, he would have won the fight. Because I honestly believe that John's chin is suspect. Um, I know he's never truly been rocked in there. But I feel like if he got hit with something really nasty, I feel like he'd get KO'd stiff. Um, his legs are too skinny. I feel like a head kick. like, And that's why that's why I know that a lot of people talk crap about, oh, Johnny Walker hasn't even fought a top 10 opponent. If he catches John with a head kick or an elbow strike or a knee, he's going to literally send John Jones to the shadow realm. But, you know, aside <laughs> from that, like... Tiago Santos put on a performance that not even Daniel Cormier could have put on. He put a performance on that Alexander Gustafson couldn't put on in the second fight. You know, a performance that not even Anthony Smith could have put on. And he just took it to him. Like, And that goes to show you that nobody's going to beat Tiago Santos until guys like Dominic Reyes step up to the plate or guys like Volcan step up or guys like Johnny Walker. But this dude's here to stay. He got that title shot for a reason. You know, he went in there against the greatest light heavyweight of all time. And I'm not even going to say give him a run for his money. He outstruck him. And that doesn't happen a lot. A lot of guys tend to freeze up when they fight John because of his creativity and versatility. Oblique kicks, side kicks, spinning back kicks, high kicks, low kicks, mid kicks. You know, um, sidestep kicks. Jumping sidestep kicks, flying knees. I mean, this guy throws everything. And it's hard to read. But for him to go in there and stand his ground and, and throw big shots like he wanted to knock him out, like, John was not prepared for that. He talked a lot of crap saying, oh, I want him to do this. But he was not ready. He was not ready. And he would have got KO'd if something would have landed flush. So it is what it is. Yeah, there's – I mean, obviously, if you look back at it, there's probably a better fight for John to, to – uh, a better game plan for John to implement versus Tiago, but 
you know, I kind of respect the fact that John's like, you know, I if I could stand with him, I'm going to stand with him. You yeah. know, you have to respect that. I mean, he's done it before because, you know, like they told him um, when he fought Rampage, don't stand with Rampage. Like, if you get caught once on the chin, like, you're going to sleep. Like, this dude's knocked out a lot of guys, like Chuck Liddell. Like, he's put a lot of people down. And John's like, he's not even going to be able to hit me with anything flush. And it, he ended up outstriking Rampage. You know, he outstruck Rashad Evans, Leona Machida, Shogun Hua. Like, he obviously has very high level you know, kickboxing, but it's different when you're striking against a guy that throws every strike with ill intent, even his leg kicks, like, literally John Jones was in a wheelchair at the end with a cast on his left leg. One of my favorite tweets of the weekend is you saying, one one guy, uh, what was it? Your tweet was so good. It was both of them in the wheelchair, the videos. One guy blew out his knee. And then one guy got his ass whooped. Yep. <laughs> so good. Fantastic yeah. tweet from Flow State Dre. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about m- maybe the greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunes. She, we talked about John, you know, trying to implement Tiago's strategy into his own. Talk about beating someone at their own game. Amanda Nunes knocks out Holly Holm. How, how, how did she do it? How did you see that? Did you see that coming? Because I, the last thing I thought was a head kick. I thought a bomb, you know, I thought she'd be able to take her down. But a head kick was maybe the last thing that I thought was going to happen. Yeah, I felt the same way too. Um, but then I watched the fight again, and I realized she was setting up that head kick for a little bit. Um, it started off as a body kick, but I knew that she wanted to go to the head. And then her coach was like, "All right, now go for the head kick," you know. And and then you realize like, it's not the fact that Amanda hits hard. It's not the fact that she has world class jujitsu. She's very intelligent, and she knows when to throw, when to take down want to go for the kill and um for her to do that to holly Holm like that that goes to show how high level she is in this game and um the fact that it doesn't matter who they put in front of her like she's going to outsmart them and um it was just it was an incredible performance by her holly Holm looked solid in the beginning but it seemed like amanda was about to turn it on anyways so um, I don't think anybody can really stop Amanda Nunes when she's going for the kill. So um, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like there's really nobody I can see who can defeat her at this point. Um, so there, there's really nothing we can do but to just enjoy her reign. And uh, yeah, it's just exciting. Yeah, I mean, as far as my views, I thought Holly really looked good, and even Amanda said it. Like what Amanda was expecting. Holly completely came out different, you know. I thought her movement was really well. Unfortunately, she moved right into that head kick. And that's all I want to cover because she is so good at what she does. You know, victories over Ronda Rousey. Victories over Misha Tate. Victory over um, Holly Holm right now. Julia Budd. You know, I... Who else? A cyborg, you know, a possible, you know... If they fight again, 
you know, if she beats her twice, you know, you, it, there's no argument. This girl is the best. And um, she's someone who has nothing else to prove. Definitely you know? not. You know, and, and I think the... I think the beauty of this this whole fight game is that there's always these fighters that come along. They lose a couple times in their career, but they just reach new heights and um, they start training like champions and they start fighting like champions and and then you start to see the well-rounded skills and you can tell it's like okay, there's only a matter of time before this person gets to be on top and you know, when you look at her story, like, she came out of nowhere. Like, she got a title fight against Misha Tate. And um, she went in there and demolished her. And then she goes off, fights Valentina again, demolishes her. Well, not demolished, but she beats her in pretty, you know, impressive fashion. Um, when you look at the fight as a whole, she goes against Raquel Pennington. Destroys her. I mean, she destroyed everybody. Cyborg. Who's next, you know? There, there's not many that I see that can really give her a run for her money at 135 or 145. So the way I see it is she's going to be considered the greatest female fighter ever. And um, I can't even argue with that. There's really nobody else. So, yeah. Yeah, so performances of the night were given out. No fight of the night. Um, but performance of the night, obviously, Masvidal, Nunez, Blahowitz, and Song Yadong. So, uh, if you had to pick a fighter of the night, who would it be? Definitely Masvidal. Yeah, I mean... He pulled something off that a lot of people <laughs> think didn't think he could. Yeah, just to be different, I'm going to say Nunez, just for the spectacular fashion that she won as well. Yeah. Again, like I said, and we'll say again, beating Holly at her own game. Absolutely. That is the true, true, you know, meaning of a champion. Let's talk about some news... That was UFC 239, but let's talk about some news coming out of 239 and into the week. The first thing that came up was John Lineker signs with one. When he got released, I believe you called this. You said John Lineker needs to go to one. It's the perfect opportunity. You know, a lot of people now are calling for John Lineker versus Demetrius Johnson. So... What are some fights that you want to see if you just had to name, like, somebody right off the top of your head? That one. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that would be a big fight. That was a fight that everybody wanted to see at 125, and it didn't happen. So that's that's a huge fight. Um, that's a very dangerous fight at that, uh, you know. I just think they ha- they're going to play it right. I know they're not going to give him to Demetrius right away. So after the tournament, they're probably going to give him, like, a tune-up fight while the tournament's going on. And then when it comes down to it, I believe that they will end up making that fight for the title. Um, uh, it's obvious that Demetrius will win the belt, so yeah, uh, it's it, it's gonna be crazy. Uh, I'm I'm just excited. So yeah, John has a drawing ability, so it's it's gonna be really cool to see him out there and him bring his fan base because he does have. You know, a lot of fans. We saw that when they let him go, how angry the internet was. And rightfully so, but he did, you know, Dana had Dana had reason to, you know. You ask for fights, we give you a fight, you pull out, you miss weight a few times. So for that, 
you're on to greener pastures. And in one, we talk about it all the time that that's like one of the best options out there if you're not going to be in the UFC. Another news note coming out, I believe, either Tuesday or Wednesday was Chad Mendez retires. That kind of bummed me out. You know, I, I thought the man still had a few left in the tank, but he chose to retire. What are some of your memories of Chad Mendez? His uh, incredible run after losing that first title opportunity to Jose Aldo, he went on like a six or seven fight winning streak, um, beating a lot of guys like Cody McKenzie, Clay Guida. I mean, the list goes on and on. He was finishing these guys. Um, and he showed he showed the much improved striking game that that obviously people were talking about because they're like, yo, he might have the formula to finally beat Jose. And then they fought. Both guys came on and wait. They came ready for the fight. There were no excuses. These dudes put on one of the best fights in UFC history. Chad really giving Jose a, a run for his money. Beautiful uppercuts. Level changes. I mean, it was one of the craziest fights ever. But um, this dude did a lot for the UFC because he put on some big performances against guys like Ricardo Lamas. You know, he fought guys like Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo twice. I mean, he fought everybody in the featherweight division. And he did really well. Um, so I think he had a great career. I just wish that I would have seen him possibly fight at 135 because I really feel like he could have made some serious noise in that weight division. Like, if I had to be honest with you, with his size and stature at 145, to translate that 10 pounds down, he could have destroyed some people down there and really made a name for himself at 135. You know, obviously you have guys like Cody Garbrandt there and stuff like that, but, you know... the. UFC always finds ways around that, you know. But hats off to him. Great career. I wish him the best of luck. I know he'll probably end up being a coach. Um, and, right, you know, rightfully so. He's an excellent fighter. So I know he'll be able to really lift up some new contenders and uh, new prospects coming up. So super excited for that. Yeah, I mean, he had a tough, really tough run at the end. I thought he did – fantastic in that first round against he who shall not be named yeah and then um you know obviously i don't i don't know how hard that last final blow was for him to wince like that and kind of curl up into a ball but i thought he had a little bit more fight in him in that fight unfortunately you know the ref called it and then he goes on to lose to frankie edgar by ko he does beat miles jury but then he just runs into Alexander Volkanovsky, who's on this tear right now. So, wow, that fight was crazy. Yeah, maybe for his sake, you know, it is time. You know, he he's great friends with his team. You know, he definitely has place to be at a uh, team alpha male. Yeah, and you know, at, at the end of the day, he fought everybody he had to fight. Like, not a lot of guys can say that. There's a lot of guys who get to a certain point when they're really good, and then they get stopped in their tracks, and that's it. Some guys rise to the occasion, some don't, you know. Um, but he did, and in his title fights, he really put it out on the line, and um, you got to give him respect for that. 
And um, I think overall, Chad Mendez, um, he can definitely be in the Hall of Fame, you know, especially as a WEC veteran. Yep. You know, somebody who was really a pioneer in the sport for alpha, Team Alpha Male. So, you know, I just congratulate him on an excellent career. Yeah, a small news note that came out before we hit record. UFC signs 10-0 ACA, formerly known as ACB, champion Askar Askarov to uh, fight in the flyweight division. So with this signing of like a a well-known, you know, Outside of the UFC, someone who fights in Russia, you know, a flyweight, it's clear that the UFC is trying to build that division back up. I say that name and you you look like you know this guy a little bit. <laughs> He's a Dagestani, man. This dude, yo, <laughs> this guy, he won one of his fights by Twister. Yes, yes, he if did. Can, I did see if that. If you can freaking pull off a twist, your grappling game is, like, on another level. And I say that all the time. If you can pull off a twister in an MMA fight, watch out. Like, this dude is the real deal. So, um, just get just prepare for that title fight. It's, it's coming soon. He's going to be, like, he'll be number five by his next fight. I promise you that. They're not going to give him some scrub. And if they do, they'll be making a huge mistake. Like, they're going to watch somebody get murdered in there. So, I hope, I really hope they probably give him, like, Sergio Pettis or somebody like that. Somebody real dangerous. Yeah, yeah, because, for sure. Because then he's really going to show out. Like, his trips, his takedowns, obviously his submissions. Like, they made they made the right call with this one. Um, I'm just hoping that they get a couple more fighters at 125 because they really need to mix it up in that division. So, um it just sucks for the UFC because all of the the smaller fighters in those weight division division excuse me are either in risen or in one mm-hmm. or in uh like you said ACA so it's like it, you know it's really going to suck for them but um I like this signing they did the right thing so yeah so let's get into some fight announcements this is a hell of a week for fight announcements let's start with Glory Kickboxing, because I just saw a fantastic video they put out. For Rico Verhoeven versus Badahari 2. A fight that everybody wanted to see. It actually happened in 2016. Unfortunately, it was a TKO due to an arm injury. Rico beating Badahari. Andre, you sent me this video. You're extremely excited. Talk about it. Listen, I saw. Um, oh wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> well. <laughs> Church news. Go ahead. Church news. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, I saw the first post that said "unfinished business" and the two, and I automatically, I automatically knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. I sent I, it to you. I'm like, I'm uh, telling you, what bro, am I looking for? When I saw it, I, I was like, let's go. <laughs> I knew it because I, I knew what was happening. Because Badahari had already been in the gym. Rico was doing the Rico thing, which was, you know, um, appearances. And he wasn't really training much. But for Badder to be in the training, like, facility almost every day for the last, like, three or four months, he was training for this. The dude's massive. He wants to win. Um, He actually did pretty well against Rico. Landed a lot of power shots. Rico wasn't flustered by it. 
but he was getting a little agitated because he's like, damn, I can't find my rhythm. But at the same time, Rico is a stud, and, and he's the prince of kickboxing for a reason. This guy's kicks are so powerful. I mean, you look at his legs, and they look like freaking trees. So this is another fight that needed to happen, and this is why Glory is the number one kickboxing promotion in the world because they keep putting on fights like this. And um, I'm super excited to see what happens in this fight because the first fight ended prematurely. Nothing wrong with Batahari because, to be honest, that was going to be a close fight regardless. Um, and when you see like the, the high-level ability of both guys, it's only going to make for one of the biggest blockbuster combat sports matches in the world. And I promise you, you cannot miss this fight. I promise you, if you miss this, you will regret it for the rest of your life. <laughs> These guys are going to go at it like you've never seen. Like the Batahari of old versus the Prince of Kickboxing. Like I could literally, I can really cut a promo for this, and it will be the greatest promo ever because I know literally everything about these guys' careers. And, you know, it's funny because when Batter started getting back on the train to come back out of retirement, you knew that that's what he was shooting for. He kept talking about Rico and how good he was, but how much better he was. He kept saying, like, oh, yeah, Rico's kind of like a version of me just without knockout power. And then Rico's like, all right, if you think I don't have knockout power, then sign the contract. And then Ooh. that's how the fight happened. You know, so, it, it, you know, like, it was just crazy how these, like, you knew these guys were going to clash at one point. Because Batter at some point felt like I'm still the king in the super heavyweight division. I'm just taking the break. And then he comes back and he's like severely massive with muscles coming out of his muscles. Like these guys are going to go at it and it's going to be insane. So everyone please tune into that fight. Yeah, so continuing with the fight announcements, there's just some fights that I want to say I don't really want to talk about. Matt Mitrion versus Sergey Sergey Karatonov too. Went. We did see how the first fight finished. Hopefully, we'll actually get a fight here. Martin Nugent versus Kiyomi Masushima. That's a one fight. Um, Nugent being someone who won is pushing pretty hard. We do have Mickey Gall versus Salim Tauari. That's in New Jersey. Um, then let's get into some fun stuff that's happening in Philadelphia. Jeremiah Wells versus Joey Pio. Pyrodi. Yeah. Pyrodi. And then uh, Zedekiah Montanez fighting someone who's fought in Bellator before, Mike Putnam. You know, every time I see that guy's training videos, you know, we already know he's a friend of the show. We're extremely biased, but he just gets me so pumped up. So uh, I'm looking forward to that fight in September. We will be there. Moving on to some fights that I'm actually really excited for. Adesanya versus Whitaker finally gets announced. Andre, they had their first press conference face-to-face. One, what did you think of it? And two, who came out on top? Adesanya, for sure. Um, Rob's going to do what Rob does, which is be respectful, be an honest martial artist, and, you know, not start controversy. Um, He doesn't need to talk. His resume speaks for itself. Clearly, he cleared out the 185 division and won the title fair and square against one of the most dangerous fighters, not only in the middleweight division, but on planet Earth. So um, when you look at 
the level of skill that both guys bring in this five round fight um, you can only expect fireworks especially for this being one of the biggest cards in Australia's history in the UFC um, but Adesanya said what he had to say and um, I think that this fight in general is going to be one of the best of the year but uh, I take it as a 1-0 for Adesanya at the press conferences <laughs> um, yeah that's how I see it yeah, I thought Adesanya – well, if we go back to 239, Adesanya was the highlight of the week. Yeah. Not being on the card. He knew what to say, how to say it, and his reaction video to the Jorge Masvidal knee was something that I go to on the daily. Yeah, just to refresh it. Because, oh, man, it is so good. I mean, you think that was bad. You should have seen mine. I'm like – I have a taco midway in my mouth, and then I see body like Ben's body just completely stiff as a board, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> taco shoots out of my mouth. I'm screaming. I'm like, holy crap. My dad comes in the room. He's like, what the hell happened? And I'm like, look at his leg. <laughs> and my dad was like, damn. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but he's gone. <laughs> I was like, yup, he's dead. <laughs> that was, wow. Anyways, back to fight announcements. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Alexa Grasso versus Carla Esparza. Alexa Grasso being someone who we took away from her last fight like, wow, this girl looks great. Unfortunately, she's going to run into a fantastic wrestler in Carla Esparza, but I believe in Alexa Grasso, and I see her probably coming out on top. It's always funny because you see the most talented fighters making a run, and then the UFC is like, let's see how far this run goes. Yeah. High level wrestler, and th- and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> it's either she ends up beating the crap out of Carla, or Carla just snoozes her way to a five round, de- I mean a three round decision. So yeah. it's like, what can you expect? <laughs> Un- unfortunately for Carla, though, one thing about that I took away from Alexa's performance, her last fight was how great she was in the clinch. Yeah. So yeah. if uh. If Carla wants to clinch with her, she better be careful because she's going to eat some nasty knees and elbows. I mean, look, man, the way I see it is uh, I follow this boxing trainer from um, Atlanta, Georgia, and um, he's like one of the most world-renowned um, boxing trainers. He trains guys like Gervonta Davis and, and guys like that. I mean, he has a lot of high-level amateur boxers. And there's one thing that he was training one of his younger guys who's coming up in the game, and um, his post said, just because a guy wants to fight in the clinch doesn't mean you have to accept the clinch. You can still fight out of it with your free hand. So if a guy, you know, you hit him with a right hand and he wraps you up, you can hit him with that offhand, and that's one thing that Alexa Grasso brings. And um, that's one of the craziest things about wrestlers. A lot of wrestlers don't train that. You know, you see them go into the clinch and they kind of like, you know, they get on the inside, try to go for trips and sweeps. But um, if Alexa Grasso can beat her in the clinch and outstrike her, I think she's going to win this fight very decisively. Perfectly said. <laughs> Moving on to a non-title bout scheduled for Kyoji Huraguchi versus Kai Asakura. Honestly, I think one or uh, Ryzen just wants him to fight. Um. I'm like, oh, maybe this Kai Asakura guy's a problem. And I look at his record, and I'm like, oh, not really. He's like 7-1. and one. 
one finish, couple decisions. Just a tune-up fight. Yeah. They're trying to prepare him to get back into, like, Japan getting ready for a title fight. So yeah. It's okay. The best thing about Kyoji Hiraguchi is listening to how much his uh, coaches, like Dan Lambert and Mike Brown, how much they love this guy. They say he's the best fighter in the gym. Oh, yeah. Like, dude. His, his style is just impeccable. Hybrid style of karate and kickboxing. Incredible footwork. Super fast. He's hard to beat. It doesn't matter how big you are. The only way Demetrius beat him was because the grappling exchanges were obviously in Demetrius' favor. But when you saw him like in that fight, like in the striking exchanges, like Demetrius was having a bit of... Wow. Wow. That sounds pretty violent. <laughs> and then Josh gets attacked with the fly. <laughs> but, you know, like, Kyoji is obviously, he has to be pound for pound. In my book, I would put him at number eight. Like, when I see all the champions, you have to put him at number eight. He's a double champ in two promotions. And he's only lost twice in a 30-fight career. And the only real loss that he had in the UFC wasn't a title match. And he lost in the last few seconds of the fifth round. Like, he went five rounds with Demetrius Johnson. There's not a lot of guys who can say that without saying, I also got my ass whooped for five <laughs> rounds. So, I mean, this guy's one of the best for a reason. So, this is incredible. Yeah, that's going to be good. Like you said, just a tune-up fight. He'll do his work and then be out. Yeah. A fight that we're both really excited for. I ended up sending you this because I was like, oh, this is good. Crone Gracie versus Cub Swanson. Ice cream crone. Ice cream crone. <laughs> it's a, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a dangerous fight oh, because yeah. Cub is still good. Yeah. Cub is still good. Cub is still good, but he has terrible submission defense. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm sorry, but this is just a bad fight for Cub. So, I all right. I just want to hear your prediction. Uh, what submission, what round, and why? Rear naked choke. First two minutes of the second round. Okay, let leave the why out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with what you said too. Yeah, it's 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 just that easy. Yeah, he's. I, I'm so excited to see him again. He is. He's a very interesting talent. Like if you go back to that Vice documentary about him a few years ago, loved it. Like he is someone that Jesus Christ. We are gonna die in this basement. Wow! I'm just letting everybody know now on air, we are most likely going to be flooded. So. <laughs> but yeah, his Vice documentary is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's free on YouTube. I love it. I, I love what he was saying, his preparation for his fights, you know, the, the lifestyle that he's living. Um, look, this guy is what I would call the dark horse in the 145 division. And, um, you know, he's smaller than a lot of these guys. He's not as fast as them. He's not as good as a striker. But he will get to your back and finish you. So it's like it's just one of those those fighters that you know he's going to wrap his hands around you eventually. And that's it. It's like Khabib. If Khabib gets the takedown, good luck trying to stand up. And if you even get back to your feet, good luck trying to get away from him. So that's the same thing with Kron, just jujitsu form. So... I'm hoping that with a win in impressive fashion, this fight, he'll get a big name next fight.
because I think that he's already at that level. I don't think he has to train his striking. I think he just has to be smart, go in there, and do his work and get to the top of the food chain, hopefully by the end of this year. Yeah, and the best part about this fight, since he already had his first fight out of the way, is that nobody's going to be talking about, like, oh, Gracie, like, hasn't won in the UFC in forever. Like, he already has his first win. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're going to talk about him being a Gracie, but now it's not going to be like, can you get the first win in 10 years or whatever it is? You know what I mean? Yeah. Bellator was pretty busy, too, in their matchmaking. This first fight, I am super pumped for. It's Pitbull versus Juan Archuleta for the title. This Juan Archuleta cat, you know, we I watched that Robin uh, Robin Black breakdown. Robin Black here. Yeah, Robin Black here. Juan Archuleta. Like, bink, bink. <laughs> Dude, fantastic. This fight is something to watch. These are the kind of fights that just make me excited for MMA. Wow. There's not there's really isn't there's not much to be said. This is going to be a back and forth fight. Whoever lands that clean shot is going to get KO'd. You know what I mean? I mean, whoever eats that clean shot's going to get KO'd. Stiff. I know it. I'm sorry. I love Pitbull. Um I will love Juan Archuleta, but you can't even pick a fighter because they're both good. They're, you know, they're both high level in what they do. Yeah, Pitbull coming off of that huge win against Michael Chandler. Yeah, and, you know, even though they considered it a late stoppage, I did too. Hey, he still landed the shot clean. So, look, the way I see it is simple. This is the classic Brazilian Muay Thai style versus, you know, the Bang Muay Thai style yet again. And um, it's so exciting. I love that matchup. Powerful leg kicks versus incredible angles and great footwork. I mean, it's it's going to be great. So, uh, super excited for this fight. 15, 16, 17, 18. Juan Archuleta, 18-fight win streak thus far. Yeah. And Pitbull only, double champ. Yeah, Pitbull double champ. How can you not be excited for this fight? Bellator, great job. For super real. great job. Great job. Ryan Bader has his next fight. Check Congo. Everybody kind of saw that. Um, hopefully, Ryan Bader can continue on this run and knock this boring dude out. Like, Check Congo hasn't been good in how many years? Like, don't get me wrong. He's winning. Yeah, yeah. But, like, winning and being exciting are two different things. Well, it's also, like, winning and being high level is two different things, too, because he's not fighting great opposition. But, um, you know, it's a great fight for Ryan. To defend both belts and do his thing. I love I love what they're doing with Ryan Bader. You know, they could have thrown him back, right back in the light heavyweight and been like, you know, relinquish your belt. But they're not, you know, and I love it. So um, let's move on to the next fight. Yeah, uh, really, I did not expect this to happen. Lyoto Mashida versus Gegard Musasi too. Musasi coming off that loss. For his title, and uh, Lyoto coming off that big win against Chael, retiring Chael. Yeah. This is, I mean, I really thought that one of these guys was going to fight for the title again. I wonder what's going on with uh, the champ. This is a, t- I believe this one might be a title eliminator. Maybe Gegard kind of told him, like, yo, I screwed up with what I said. Like, I want a rematch. 
Yeah, I don't think that highly of him that he's going to admit that he was wrong. Well, who knows, <laughs> you know, because when you get embarrassed like that, you know, it, it could definitely change your mindset. I'd be embarrassed if I talked that much crap and then lost my belt. Yeah. So those are the fight announcements. Hell of a week for matchmaking. Uh, you got to believe that the UFC is going to continue to just throw those matchups out. They really have to start to set up the next half of the year. You know, we already kind of into it. And they're announcing fights up to October now. So, like, November and December are going to be coming out within the next coming weeks. Andre, let's talk about UFC Fight Night Sacramento. Sneaky, sneaky good card this weekend. (laughs) Extremely sneaky good card. Let's start with one of the highlights, one of my favorite fighters of all time, Uriah Faber, coming back. Unfortunately, to face a young stud in Ricky Simone. I'm going to tell you that uh, Uriah, I hope you looked very well at this kid because not only is his hair really good, but this kid's got skills. Yeah, very good skills, very powerful bunches. I think Uriah might surprise people. He looked great against Brad Pickett. Yeah, he did. He did win that fight. He didn't, and and you know, I just think that Uriah is not one of those guys who's gonna get steamrolled. He's not gonna get completely blasted. But then again, you never know, because Ricky Simone is young, he's hungry, and he's very dangerous. So I respect Uriah because he took a very difficult fight. He could have fought another dude who was just a grappler or somebody old, but he didn't. He was like, dude, I want a contender. So, hey, great. I give him I give him a lot of props for that because I don't think a lot of people want to fight Ricky Simone right now. I mean, the dude's dangerous everywhere. So, hats off to Uriah. Looking yeah, really forward for this fight. Uriah in his hometown of Sacramento. I've, I listened to a podcast where they spoke about – excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> they spoke about his, like, best moments in Sacramento. And this is someone who, like – is Sacramento MMA. Yeah. yeah. So um, this is something to watch. Let's talk about some of the other notable fights. Uh, Josh Emmett versus Mursat Bettik. Josh Emmett, one of your favorites, coming off that fantastic knockout of the Black Arm Blue Bottle. <laughs> I was trying to remember. I'm like, wait. You gave me that look. I was like, wait, wait. What did I call him again? Again, one of the best texts I ever received from Andre. I asked for his list of favorite knockouts of the year, and he lists Josh Emmett over Black Artem Lobov. <laughs> Michael Johnson, if if anybody gets it. <laughs> Some other notable fighters on the card, Carl Robeson. Then you have Andre Feely versus uh, Shaman Marias. A fight which I'm really looking forward to. This is either going to be like, Extremely exciting, or the fastest tap out you've ever seen. Darren Elkins versus Ryan Hall. <laughs> fastest tap out you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, and then we have a fight that we just spoke about last week. Juliana Pena versus Nico Montano. I love it. Yeah, I love that fight too. Another woman's fight, which I really like. This could be something that uh, could be in Amanda Nunes' future as well. Yeah. Jermaine Durandamy versus Aspen Ladd in the main event. Yeah. 
Look, man, Jermaine, respectably, is good at what she does. But she is running to a very well-rounded fighter in Aspen Lads. So um, I expect this fight to be a barn burner from start to finish. But um, if I had to really bank on somebody to win, I'm giving it to Lad. Yeah, she's on a run. And, she, you know, she was supposed to fight Holly Holm. They canceled that fight to give Holly Holm the title shot. So I'm sure she has something to prove. Like, oh, you wanted to give it to Holly? Watch this. Yeah. But Jermaine Durand to me, still dangerous. Someone who, uh, her last fight, she looked really good, too. She Her kickboxing is just out of this world. Yeah, it's different. Uh, stiff jabs, great straight punches. I mean, that she's a textbook Dutch kickboxer, and a lot of MMA fighters have problems with that. Like, you have to put pressure on guy, people like that because it, it's not easy to deal with. The leg kicks, solid punching, yeah, it's, it's not easy. So Aspen Ladd does have her hands full. Because she also she's giving up a lot of reach and height, so she's got to get on the inside and really nullify that striking in order to really put some work in against Jermaine Durandamy. Yeah, so that's UFC in Sacramento. I am excited for that. That that card is is pretty good on paper. So let's yeah. hope they deliver. Let's talk about the PFL. We're recording on a Thursday. It's actually happening right now. So. Uh, just really quickly, Magomed Magomed Karimov looks to extend his win streak to ten. Ray Cooper the third is fighting on this card. Sarah, I have on here Sarah Kaufman looking to push forward. Her fight was actually canceled, and she's already in the playoffs due to her opponent falling out. And Kayla Harrison, my MMA crush of the year, <laughs> she needs a finish. So that's PFL. That's happening right now, as I said. Bellator 224 is happening tomorrow. Today, when you're listening, um, not much on this card. You know it's bad when I have the list under other notable names, AJ Agazarm's on it. Yeah. So uh, AJ Agazarm looks to get his first win. Rafael Cavallo is on this card, a uh, former Bellator champ. And someone that I brought up earlier, Julia Budd, she defends her title against Olga Rubin, maybe the ugliest name. Of all time. But <laughs> Julia Budd, someone who does not get talked about when you're talking about MMA history, M women's MMA history. So hopefully, you know, Bellator needs to push this girl because, you know, maybe it's because she doesn't look like Valerie Lareda. But, like, dude, she's a pioneer in women's MMA. One championship. This is something that you brought up to me before we came on. This is actually happening as this podcast drops. Friday, 6 a.m., Angela Lee. I have a question from Pash, actually, that I should bring up now. So Pash asked a few weeks ago. We said we were going to get to it. Let's finally get to it. So Pash asks, Angela and Christian Lee are current one champions. They are both young and seem to be a big part of the promotion. Do you see fighters like them eventually building a name and jumping to the UFC, or are they here to stay and help build one? They will not jump to the UFC. Um, they are, like you said, very young, but they have legally been chosen to represent Singapore in one, and um, that's where they're going to stay. So... If they let them go, 
it would have to be something of the lines of like the Demetrius Johnson trade. But I don't think that will happen because Christian Lee is obviously very good. And obviously Angela Lee is very good. So um, they need them to continue to push because right now, as we speak, um, the network and the actual platform that one championship has is bigger than the UFC's. They literally have pretty much Europe and Asia in their back pocket, and there's nothing that the UFC can do about it. All the UFC has is America, Brazil, and Australia, but it's still not enough. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is I, I'm I'm. It was like I said before. Eventually, they're going to start putting on cards in the United States, and once that happens, it's pretty much over the, for the UFC and. They need to be in that mix when that happens. So yeah, yeah. Great I, question though. I believe did they did they announce that they're coming to the U.S.? I mean, they already have the TV deal with TNT. It's only a matter of time. But you know, uh, with what just happened <laughs> with um, Eddie Alvarez, you know, and we're still waiting for the tournament to be finished with Demetrius Johnson. I believe that that's what they're waiting for. Also, in wake of what happened with Sage Northcutt, so. It kind of sucks, but yeah. Um, but speaking of one championship, you know, Angela Lee right now, well, tomorrow, um, she's going to be fighting the greatest female grappler to ever live. Eight-time World BJJ champion Michelle Nicolini. Um, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but this is obviously going to be one of the most intense battles in female MMA history. Two of the greatest grapplers to fight each other. And this is going to be insane. I can't even pick like who's going to win because these women are both high-level black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And this title is going to be for the Atomweight belt um, at 105. Now, the beauty of this matchup is that these girls actually have a history um, that goes back several years. And I was just reading it on 1FC's site. So they actually faced each other in Macau in a grappling tournament. And um, Nicolini ended up defeating Angela Lee via toehold. Now, she had given um, Angela Lee credit um, because she had very good submission defense. And, you know, Nicoli Nicolini pulled guard, got the sweep, tried to get an arm bar on her. Um, Angela Lee defended very well, but she gave up her foot and got the toehold and tapped immediately. And um, then they ended up when Nicolini was still learning like the game of MMA, they actually ended up sparring in the Evolve Fight Team camp in a Muay Thai sparring session, and um, Nicolini noted that Angela Lee beat her up, like on purpose, and she kind of had a problem with her ever since. So I'm going to say that there is kind of some bad blood going into this fight, um, and I think that this is going to make for one of the best female MMA title fights in, in MMA history. So it's this is going to be crazy. I think I'm just only upset that it's a co-main event. Um, but at the same time, hey, this card's going to be stacked too. So, And also, Giorgio Petrosian is fighting on this card with the man who just beat him in a robbery decision. So that was actually overturned. It was due to a no contest. 
Yeah, yeah. Due to illegal clinching. So, mm-hmm. Giorgio Petrosian versus – dude, how do you say this guy's name? Let, let me make sure. Uh, I couldn't I, even find – like, you know how on Wikipedia they spell phonetically? Yeah, yeah. No. So, <laughs> all right, I'm going to try. Petchmorakot. Yep, Petchmorakot. Petchmorakot. So. Dude, his whole name, Petchmorakot Petchyindi Academy. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, the reason why it sounds like that is because these guys, instead of giving their last name when they fight, mm-hmm. they take the name of the gym that they train. Okay. Yeah, so, like, in, uh, uh, give me one second. I, I want to give you the perfect example. Um, so, we have Buakau Banchamek. Um, this man, obviously, is probably one of the greatest fighters of all time. But a lot of people didn't know him as Banchamek when he was coming up in K1. They knew him as Buakau Por Pramuk. And that was actually the name of the Muay Thai gym that he had trained at ever since he was like five years old. So it, that's kind of like a custom um, for Muay Thai fighters. But yeah, this guy, um, Patch, Patch Morikat, he's I think he's going to get his ass whooped in this fight because uh, Giorgio was pretty pissed off that he had lost that matchup. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has, like, a 90% victory rate. And, like, he's only lost, like, three times. And one of them was actually to Buakau. So, you know, um, this is going to make for a great, you know, rematch. And I think that uh, this card in general is going to be awesome. So stay tuned, everybody. Yeah, fantastic. I, I really like the one product. So he... Ron does have one more question before we sign off for the night. He says, how can anyone not like Ben Askren after the interview with Ariel? (laughs) This is something that we already covered, but I just want to say how much of a consummate professional Ben Askren is. He's one of the best personalities for a reason, and now the world sees it. You know, Don't get me wrong, I really like George, but I love Ben Askren as well. We spoke about that last week yeah look i'm gonna be honest like um as far as how can i put this as far as ben Askren's contendership status in the ufc obviously it dropped a little bit as far as his stock but as far as him as a draw when it comes to big fights in the welterweight division, he didn't really lose anything. This was kind of one of those situations, and I actually sh- sent this to you. Um, Chatri Sidiotong, the actual president of one, he was talking about how if you made this fight 10 times out of 10, it's very unlikely that George Masvidal would have been able to do that to him 10 times in a row. Ben Askren is still very good. He just ran into somebody who was prepared to do what they had to do to win the fight. So, in this case, um, I still really like Ben. He could have been an asshole about it, but he wasn't. And I think that just shows a level of character that I don't think a lot of people saw in Ben. They kind of saw him as a clown, a, you know, um, a jester, if you will. But now you can kind of see that he took that on the chin, literally, and um, is now 
hopefully going to get some serious fights with some dangerous people and show out and show why they signed them to the UFC. So Yeah, anybody who says that this is the end of Ben Askren, just stop watching MMA. Like yeah. how uh, how Dana said, oh, anybody who scored it for Tiago, just stop watching. Like, no. If you're picking, if you're saying that this is the end of Ben Askren, like even George said it at the end, like, oh, I ended this dude. Like, no, you didn't. This dude's gonna bounce back no problem he's gonna bounce back and ask for a rematch like that's what's gonna happen yeah i mean i don't want to see a rematch but (laughs) i I don't either (laughs) yeah i I don't want to see him die again (laughs) i do want to see this uh this division continue because there is so many fights still to happen you know we have robbie lawler versus kobe happening we still have leon edwards versus uh rafael which honestly i think Ben should probably get the winner of that fight. I was actually going to say that because I like that fight either way it goes. You know, obviously, if he fights Leon, you know, it will be kind of a tough fight for him because Leon's big. And we have seen, like, Ben beat some pretty sizable guys. But I think a real dangerous fight is Dos Anjos because Dos Anjos has no problem going to the ground. And that's the scary thing about Dos Anjos. Like, if you want to put him on his back, good luck, you know. And as be- as good as Ben is, like, Dos Anjos is still a high-level black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And you always have to respect guys who have that level of Jiu-Jitsu. So, yeah, you know. Um, the sky's the limit for Ben. This moment right now, he just kind of has to go with it, train in the gym, get better, and then make some great fights. Because the UFC wants to see him fight regardless. This is obviously not the end of him. He did not get severely injured in this fight. He didn't even suffer a concussion. He just got hit in the spot of his brain that said, okay. (laughs) Night-night. Good night. (laughs) Robin Black here. Pink. Pink. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe Robin Black did a a minute breakdown on a five-second knockout. Dude, that was freaking hilarious. And I was like, oh, here's Pink. (laughs) Ben Askren. (laughs) Stiff as a board. Stiff as a board. Andre. This has been your boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson. One word. Andre, feel free to tell them about yourself. What's up, everybody? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under Flow State Dre. And you can also find me on Facebook as Andre Rodriguez, my full name. And thank you for tuning in. Yeah, five star ratings and reviews. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll catch you next week.